Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Father, we just come before you right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you so much, God, for all that you're doing. We thank you, God, for your grace and your goodness in our lives. And Father, we thank you for your instruction in righteousness through the word. Father, we ask that you make the word come alive to us, Lord, that we may uh, live by it and honor you with it. And Father, we're careful to give you all the praise. And Father, we, we invite Holy Spirit into this place right now, Lord, to, to do his will, to instruct us, teach us, fill us, empower us, all that he does, Father. And we give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, this is going to be the last week uh, that we do our Bible study. We're going to finish up today. But before we get into that, I want to just remind you that next week, Pastor Alex Wilson will be doing um, a class, and he's going to be doing a three-week series on uh, grace. Uh, It's much better than you know. I think that's how you say it. It's not. He's shaking his head. Let me tell you something. Grace is a good thing. Amen? And so you want to... It's more amazing than you know. That's the title. Amen. So, so come on out and be a part of that. Join us, and it'll be a great, a great time together. And then also want to remind you, coming up the first Wednesday in um, uh, September, we're going to be starting a Bible study. Uh, Tom Frank is going to be teaching a four-part series on the end times and just giving us some instruction in that and maybe helping us to understand a little bit more what uh, is going on uh, concerning the end times. So mark that down. Now last week what we did is we looked at the vocal gifts and we took some time and we um, uh, really kind of developed that whole thought. We looked at tongues and, and, and uh, interpretation of tongues and prophecy and what we said was tongues really is speaking supernaturally in a known or unknown language that you do not know or possess uh, the knowledge to do so on your own. And so when somebody speaks in a tongue, they're generally speaking in a tongue that's unknown to them, or it could even be a heavenly language, or in some cases the Bible calls it the uh, language of angels or uh, tongues of angels and that kind of thing. And some call it a prayer language, others call it a heavenly language. And if you're speaking in tongues in prayer, or worship, then no interpreter is needed. Uh, If you're speaking in tongues addressing someone else or a group of people, then we need to pray for an interpreter. We need to actually pray. The Bible specifically says that we need to pray that we interpret, that we would have the interpretation, uh, and we need to make sure that that's taking place. But the key in determining whether an interpreter is needed or not is who are we talking to. So who am I talking to? So if I'm in a public place, but I'm addressing myself to God, because oftentimes in church we can be publicly uh, gathered, but we are addressing God. We are talking to Him, and we're expressing ourselves to Him. And so if that's what we're doing with tongues, then no interpretation is needed. But if I stood up here and spoke to you, then I would need to have the interpretation. Uh, The second thing we talked about the interpretation of tongues is simply that. It's pretty self-explanatory. It is the interpretation of a tongue into a language where everyone can understand it, that you uh, uh, who hear it, and that word here is spelled wrong, but hear it and understand it. 
Amen. Then we went into prophecy, and we said, uh, is a brief supernatural word of hope and encouragement often personalized and often, uh, and it's always in line with the Bible. So a couple things, a couple uh, rules about prophecy. Uh, First of all, prophecy is always governed by three things, edification, exhortation, and comfort. And so if it goes outside of those, if a prophecy comes and goes outside of the confines of edification, exhortation, and comfort, or encouragement, or challenge, like, so that word uh, exhortation is just a heavier word. It's an encouragement, but it's also like a challenge. It's like what a, a coach would do. You can do it. Keep going. That positive reinforcement and then comfort. If prophecy is outside of that, then it's not prophecy. It's not what this gift is about because that gift is to edify the church and to edify people in the church and those around them. Also, uh, these words of prophecy can come through a tongue or an interpretation. Generally, they come in the common language, and these prophecies often work with other gifts like the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom and discernment. I have noticed over the years, just in my own experience, that they can work together with other gifts. Uh, A prophecy can come along with a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge or a discernment or some other gift. They can work in partnership with them. And there seems to be a lot of different information. If I could say this, there seems to be a lot of different information about spiritual gifts in the Christian world. And so it can be a little confusing especially if some of those ideas conflict. So that's why we have to really stick close to the Word of God. We have to stick close to the Word of God. And at some point in time, I'm going to probably ask Rosemary to do a Bible study for us here uh, because I think it would be really rich on how to actually study the Bible because there are some very uh, helpful ways to study the Bible and get the most out of it uh, so that we understand what the Bible is saying. I know sometimes... We can read a scripture, and uh, somewhere along the line in the midst of that scripture, we kind of get a little bit confused. It's like, what's happening here? What's going on? What does it really mean? But if you understand context, if you understand language, if you understand how it's put together and why it's put together and uh, where he's going and, and how he's forming his, his thought in the Scripture, you can better understand it and, and have a greater interpretation of it. So I'd love to have Rosemary uh, teach that for us one day. Now, I also want to say that in no way can a six-week class on the Holy Spirit ever do much more than scratch the surface of the Holy Spirit. So I know that there's, I have, uh, there's probably a lot of uh, uh, loopholes and places where we need to fill in. So what I want to recommend to you is that you study further on your own concerning the Holy Spirit. And so what I've done is I've brought for you these, these books as an example. So If you want later, you can come to me and ask me. I could give you the titles, but you have the titles also. If you lose the notes, you have them there. So the first book is the, uh, it's called Releasing Spiritual Gifts Today, and it's by a guy named James Gall. And this is a great book. So he goes through all nine gifts that we went through. Another one is called The the, uh, uh, Gifts of the Spirit by Derek Prince. This is a very, very good book, very rich, lots of scripture. 
and, and then also they add into this their experiences and their understanding as they have in their ministries. And another one is called The Gifts and Ministries of the Holy Spirit by Lester Summerall. And so these, these books are valuable, they're rich, they're loaded with information, and they will give you a much, much deeper understanding of the gifts if you choose to uh, look that up and and study that out a little bit further. Now that I've got those off my music stand, I hope that it won't keep sliding down. <laughs> Have you ever, seen, you ever seen that with somebody with a microphone? It's like, it's like, come on, you know, and it's like, my goodness, why is this always doing that? But uh, I want to move on, and so we're going to begin the last lesson by reading the, the text that we had a few weeks ago out of 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11, because this is where the portion of the Bible that lists all the gifts, and so I, I, uh, all the spiritual gifts. And so I want to uh, just go over that again as a starting point. It says, uh, and this is uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And I want to stop right there and just reiterate that the spiritual gifts, um, although we derive a lot of benefit from it, in other words, God never muzzles the ox that treads out the corn, so we get to enjoy the presence and the gifting and the empowering of the Holy Spirit and all that's going on. It's not really meant to be ours and ours alone. It's not meant to be something that we revel in or that we take pride in, in the sense of, look at me, how special I am, all of these things. The giftings are given for the benefit and the good of all. To one, there is given the Spirit, uh, to the one through the Spirit, a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To, an, uh, to another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still, to another interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them each to each one just as he determines. And so we have this list of gifts that he gives, and he makes it very clear that it's one Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So it's not a bunch of spirits. It's not the Spirit of knowledge, all of that. There's only one Holy Spirit. Now, he has many facets because God is multifaceted. There's many identities. He has many purposes, many activities, many different things that go on. And so there are different sides to this and facets to this, but it's one spirit. Does that make sense? And it really is up to him. He distributes to each one as he determines. And as we finish, as we finish this study, I want you to remember that these gifts come from God. They come from God. These are not natural abilities. So it's not, now you may have a natural uh, inclination or a natural propensity to a gift or another, but that's just you're drawn in that direction or that's something maybe God hardwired in you to set you up for success when he gives you a gift, but it's not natural ability. Does that make sense? Okay, so that is something that comes from God and is empowered by God. And he gives these special abilities as manifestations of his power. Okay, he's manifesting his power. 
All of these gifts are supernatural in their nature. They have power, they, they move in a direction, they have purpose, and they, they, they are on purpose. So they, they are, they're specific for a reason, and they are powerful. Amen? So just like salvation grace, we do not earn these gifts. Just like salvation is not a gift that we earn. Our salvation is a free gift. Well, so are the gifts of the Spirit. You cannot earn them. You cannot buy them. They are given. They are grace. That's why they are often known as the gifts of grace, because they're free of charge. The only requirement is that you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, but that's given to you freely as well. It's not something that you have to earn. And being baptized in the Holy Spirit is not something that is, comes after um, a probationary period you know, of Christianity. It's not like, okay, you've been six months, you qualify to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. There have been people who have gotten saved and in the moment of their salvation were filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues and moving in those manifestations. Also, I will say this at this point. I've said it before, but I'll say this. Just because there is the operation of gifts in your life does not necessarily equate to a level of maturity any greater than anyone else. In fact, the Corinthians who had gifts coming out their ears, had an explosion of gifts, were very carnal people. That's why, and, and you're going to have, you say, why is that? I, I don't understand, so I don't know that we can ever answer the question completely with God. Uh, we'll have to ask him when we get to heaven. But God entrusts those gifts sometimes to very immature people. Hence a lot of the controversy and abuses. So sometimes people that ha are very immature will have a gift and they take it in a direction they ought not to. Now the hope is, is that there will be somebody in their life that will instruct them in righteousness and teach them and they will yield to that and allow that maturity to come and be a part of their lives. And we must be careful to remember these gifts are not to be manipulated, nor are they for self-promotion. They are for the work assigned to us and for the benefit of all. Now let's take a moment and let's quickly go through the revelation gifts. Now I want to say this just as a disclaimer as I enter into this. Like I said, there is no way that I can really dig out and it would take it would take weeks and weeks and weeks, and I don't know that we would have the stamina to stay into it that long in a, in, a, in a Bible study like this. So to dig all the truth out here and to really get it, I really recommend that you take the time to study it over a period of time and restudy it and study it again. So we really are going to just scrape the, the tip of the iceberg and give you kind of a working understanding of these gifts. So the revelation and gifts include the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. And these gifts reveal uh, what is unknown or hidden in order to bring understanding or to explain God's intentions or desires. Now the first one is the word of wisdom. One man said this as a def definition of the word of wisdom, is that the word of wisdom is the ability to articulate life-changing 
insights in, into God's mis mysterious saving purposes for mankind, both on a global plane and as well in, as in an application for individuals. So that's really a fancy way to say the word of wisdom is a, the ability to explain what God's doing, what God is saying, and how to accomplish what he has called us to do. When we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 13, it says this. It reveals some truth to us. It says, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, not yet the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the hearts of men the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. That's important. God is revealing the plan. God is showing us what he's up to. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God, for what man, for what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit of but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, uh, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So in other words, what he's saying is, he is saying that there is, to the world and to our humanity, there is a lot of activity that God is involved in and, and doing and things that are mysterious. You know, we, we oftentimes will hear this statement, people, and the problem is it's Christians that will say it. You know, the ways, you know, the ways of God are mysterious. Yeah, to the world, not to you and I. We can have the wisdom. We can walk in it. We can know. And so what he's telling us is that we can know what God's up to through the word of wisdom. And oftentimes, God will give us that. Sometimes we'll pray, God, I don't know how to do this. I don't know what's going on. I don't know where or what or when or how or who. And somebody will come along that's gifted that will give us a word of wisdom. Wisdom, by def definition, in the most simple form, is the application of knowledge. So when I have knowledge of something, it's one thing to possess knowledge of something. It's another thing to know how to apply that knowledge. And so the word of wisdom is that a gift that will speak to me about what God's already told me, whether it's through his word or preaching or uh, interaction, however it is through prayer, to where I can now begin to apply what he's doing. It gives me insight into the wisdom. And, and you know what, to be honest, like I say, this is a very superficial definition. But at least what it does is it teaches us what it's all about. Individuals with this gift have the ability to communicate what God has done or is doing in any given situation. It's not from experience, but it's from supernatural understanding. Okay, It's not just because 
I have experience in this, and somewhere along the line, I've gone through what you've gone through, and so I could speak into that. That's wonderful, and that's vital, and we, we crave that kind of stuff. But what I'm talking about is when you have the ability to speak into somebody's life, and you have no idea. The only example that I can give you in my own life is for 21 years, I ran Jacob's Ladder and spoke to those people and saw deliverances and saw people get set free from drugs and all alcohol and all those things. I have never used a, a drug other than what was prescribed to me. I have never drank, never smoked, none of that stuff, but yet somehow God gave me the ability to speak as one of them and at, to where they're at. I would often have people say to me, how is it you never did drugs, but you clearly understand what it's like to be addicted. And, and really what that is is a function of the gift or the word of wisdom. Does that make sense? So that's how that is. So word of knowledge, let's move on to that. People with this gift have a deep understanding of the will of God and the ways of God. It's, it, it, it's incredible, that thought. There's a scripture in the Old Testament, and I, I'm probably going to slaughter it right now, but it says that um, it says the people of God were familiar with the works of God, but David was familiar with his ways. Okay, there's a big difference. So in other words, it's one thing to know what God, you, it's one thing to say, yeah, I can see he got healed, he got delivered, he got this, he got that. But it's a whole nother thing to have knowledge of the process and what God is doing and to know his ways. Supernaturally, they can discern truth about spiritual matters in order to teach or direct the church. Sometimes God gives a word of knowledge about a particular situation or person in order to protect them, warn them, or guide them. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 through 21. It says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. <clears throat> this is the combining of these two gifts, the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. This is having knowledge, information about what God is up to behind the scenes. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10 says, For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with all knowledge of his will in all wisdom. Again, here's that combining. And spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And now one, one, one thing is, is we're, we're, you have to understand we're not talking about simply possessing information. We're talking about a knowledge, knowing, understanding. You can have, how many have ever went out and bought some sort of uh, a piece of furniture or something for your house that you had to put together and you had the directions in front of you so you had information but you had no knowledge of the information. And it's like, this might as well be written in Japanese because I don't know, I can't make heads or tails out of it. And oftentimes, people, that's what happens. 
The Bible says that the Bible is spiritually discerned and they can have info, but because there is a lack of understanding or the lack of knowledge, they possess information, they could quote scripture, but they neither have information or knowledge of it, but nor do they have wisdom of it, how to apply it. And so that's where those gifts come in, and they come in a lot of other different ways as well. The gift of word of knowledge is a supernatural ability to receive knowledge by way of revelation. Revelation is simply saying something being revealed to you. It's revealed. So another way that, that this word of knowledge, so... So I know that I've operated in this. I know that uh, Pastor Harry has operated in this uh, from time to time. And, and I remember back in the day when Harry was regularly doing revivals that this was v- very much a part of his ministry, his word of knowledge, is that he would, he would speak into people's lives, giving them a word from God about their life, about a situation, a circumstance, something they need to do, something, whatever it might be. Sometimes it came in the form of an encouragement in the sense of that, say, hey, look, you're on the right track, keep going, don't stop. Sometimes it came as a direction, you need to make a turn here. Sometimes it came as a warning in simple, uh, beware, you know, the, you're about to enter into a situation where you need to have your eyes wide open, but it was a word of knowledge. I Oftentimes for me where the word of knowledge works is in counseling. And sometimes what happens, God will give me insight uh, into a situation uh, of a person. And sometimes it can be extremely specific. Generally for me, uh, just to give you an idea of how it works, it will always start out very general. Sometimes it's just a word. Many of you that I've prayed for, you've heard me say to you, the word, word, like I'll say something like the word dark is coming up. It keeps coming up dark. And then the moment I say that, all of a sudden there's this <clears throat> flood of more information. And I'll begin to speak that out. And as I speak that out, that word of knowledge, and it gets more and more specific. And sometimes, it, it, for me, it has been even a little scary. I had one time I was in a counseling session, and, and um, and in, in, in this session, the, the, the Lord spoke to me. This woman was speaking and telling me about her situation. <clears throat> and God said to me, very clearly, he said, say to her, everything changed when her brother died. And I thought to myself, there ain't no way I'm saying that. I, I, first of all, I don't know that she has a brother. And second of all, I don't know that he died if she has one. And I'm not stepping out into that. Because I can see myself going, you know, everything changed when your brother died. And she looked at me and go, nothing changed. I don't have a brother. And furthermore, he didn't die. You know, that was my fear. And just about the time I said no, probably, probably two or three seconds after that, she stopped talking, turned to me, and she goes, you know, Pastor? She goes, everything changed when my brother died. And I, I went, okay, probably next time just shut my mouth and do what God tells me to do. You know, so that's kind of how the word of knowledge works. Third one in the, in the uh, uh, revelation gifts is called discerning the spirits. The gift of discerning the spirits, or some call it distinguishing of spirits, operates kind of like a Geiger, a bit of a Geiger counter. It's, kind, it, it's a person with this uh, gift is able to detect a spiritual dynamic that's not apparent to the natural senses. But nevertheless, it's in operation and it's present there exerting some influence. This gift prov- provides perception, 
into the spirit world, which includes the Holy Spirit, both good and evil, angelic spirits or uh, angels and demons, and individual human spirits. You can determine what, what's really going on. It's a discernment. It gives supernatural insight into the realm of the spirit. It can sometimes be hard to tell naturally uh, where supernatural activity is originating from because not all of the, not all of, let me, let me just say this, if I could go just on a slight bunny trail here. Not everything that goes on is God. Right. Not everything you hear is God. Right. So one of, the, one of the big, big, big traps that I see happening in Christianity today is people are, they, they go by, if they hear something, no matter what it is, they go, ah, oh, that's God. And, and you, you can't do that. I'm going to show you why here in a little bit. And, but it, it, we, have to, we have to be aware of that. And so discerning of spirits is the ability to test, the ability to see, is this God, is this man, or is this the devil? And what's up? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it right? Is it wrong? What's happening? That's the discerning of spirits. And oftentimes people will confuse this with a gift of judgment. There is no spiritual gift called judgment. Okay? The reason, and this is, this is why, let me, when you begin to see how these are operating, you can understand why now God says, I want the climate or the atmosphere of the operation of these gifts to be in love. Because without love, they can become clubs that we hurt people with. Okay, so what we have to do is test. So this is why the Bible says in 1 John, listen to this, it's powerful, verses 1 through 3 and then verse 6. It says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. I, would, I really wish, I'd love to talk to God and say, why didn't you say voice? I wish he would have said voice for this generation. Don't believe every voice, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they have God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, you know the spirit of God. He says, by this, you'll know it's the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus has come into the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Verse 6, we are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear this. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So we have to understand, church, that we have got to test the spirits. One of the best tests is does it line up, does it fit the counsel of the Bible. If it does not fit within the counsel of the Bible, then it's not of God. Now, the reason I use that term is on purpose because sometimes people say, well, it's not in the Bible because it, there is no word for it in the Bible. Computers are not in the Bible. You will not find the word computer in there. So that does not mean that I can go off and sin with my computer because it's not mentioned in the Bible. So that's why we have to use the counsel, the spirit. The letter kills, 
but the Spirit gives life. And so we have to go back to what is the message of the Bible. So there's a lot of messages in the Bible that would govern my use of a computer. Amen? So that's why we got to do that. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 21. I love this. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ concerning you. Don't quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecy. I love that verse. Why? He's saying you need to encourage it. Test all things and hold to what is good. Let me give you a 2021 interpretation of that. Eat the meat, spit out the bones. There's, I, I, go, I go to KFC all the time. I know you can't tell from this, this body, but I do go to KFC. And I love KFC chicken. I love original recipe. And my particular favorite piece of chicken is the leg. I love the drumstick. Now, I could tell you, there's meat on that that is yummy, and there is a bone in there. So when I get to the bone, what do I do? I stop eating. But I don't spit out the meat because there was a bone in it. <laughs> is, that, is that too simple? Is that, I'm, I'm, so somewhere what I'm trying to say is what we have to do is we have to learn. We, we really have to learn to walk in these gifts and, 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 and learn. And when I say walk in these gifts is God gives them to us and learn to operate this. We need to test these things. We need to test this. Now, I'm going to say to you, you can try the spirits outside of the gift of discernment you can. You don't have to have the gifts of discernment to do that. All you need is the Word of God. But the discernment will really help us to get that job done. Does that make sense? All right, let's move on into the power gifts. Uh, the power gifts include faith, gifts of healing, and working in miracles. These gifts uh, visibly demonstrate God's power. And in no way do I want to minimize them, but they are generally pretty straightforward. So, when, when, when we talk about these, not a lot of explanation is necessary. So let's look at faith. It can sometimes be difficult to differentiate between the spiritual gift of faith from the measure of faith that is common to every believer. Kenneth Hagin said this, he said, the gift of faith is special faith. It's a supernatural faith. Uh, it is a different form uh, of faith. It's different from saving faith. It's separate from faithfulness as the fruit of the Spirit. The gift of faith is, is the God-given ability to believe Him for the impossible in a particular situation. It is not so much uh, general faith which believes God for provision and, and, and all the things that we believe God for, but goes a step beyond where we just know that a particular thing is the will of God and is, in fact, going to happen. It is a supernatural uh, confidence surge that makes it possible for a person to pray or declare God's will and thereby affect miraculous outcomes. Now, much of the time, this gift works in partnership I'll like the other ones, with the gifts of healing and the working of miracles. Okay? So that gift of faith is that ability to believe. So 
For instance, there was a man, many of you may have heard of him, by the name of Smith Wigglesworth. He was kind of known as the apostle of faith. That was kind of a title he picked up. People just kind of, it was never anything that he asserted himself, but it was something that was kind of given to him through history. But Smith Wigglesworth had a level of faith that, that was remarkable. Uh, one story that is actually a recorded, documented story, I believe, if I got the story right, was he was in Chicago, and he was walking down the street and happened to be going, uh, he was across the street from a funeral home. And God spoke to him and said, go into that funeral home and pray for the man in the casket. And so he walks in there. It's, uh, there is a funeral in full uh, swing. They're, they're doing the funeral. Smith Wigglesworth, full of faith, walks right up to the front, grabs the man in the casket out. Smith Wigglesworth was a big man. He was a plumber by trade. Grabs the man, pulls him out of the casket, slams him up against the wall. It says, in the name of Jesus, live. And he let go, and the body slid down. The, faith, or the uh, funeral goers are in shock at this moment. Nobody's moving because it's so shocking. Smith Wigglesworth grabbed him again, picked him up, slammed him up against the wall, and said, live in the name of Jesus. By this time, people are kind of coming out of their shock a little bit and saying, by God, somebody's got to do something. Stop this crazy man. Then he slid to the floor. He picked him up again, slammed him up against the wall. And you would think the third time would be the charm, but no dice. He fell to the floor, slammed to the floor. And now by this time, the police have been called. You can hear whatever sirens were in that day or whatever whistles or whatever it was. But there, there's a commotion. People are trying to stop him. People are wrestling with him. Finally, he grabs the man, picks him up, slams him against the wall and says, live in the name of Jesus. And the man came to life. Now, I'm not exactly sure about all of that, but it is documented. I don't know, but I know that Smith Wigglesworth had many, many, many documented miracles of supernatural healings, raising the dead, and just uh, incredible, incredible uh, miracles. But all of them he did through the operation of faith. He just simply had faith. That kind of faith is a gift from God. Can you say amen? All right, number two, the gifts of, the gifts of healing. Now, something I want you to notice in Paul's list of spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians, we're going to read it again, in 1 Corinthians um, uh, 4, uh, 12, 4, 4, 8, 9, 28, and 30, uh, Paul wrote it as the gifts, plural, of healings, plural. And if you look at the original Greek word, both, both words, gift and healing, are pluralized. They, it's talking about more than one. And so it says, there are diversity of gifts, but the same spirit. For to one is given gifts of healing by the same spirit. Gifts of healings by the same spirit. God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and after that miracles. Then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues, all, do all have gifts of healings. Once again, throughout that scripture, this phrase, gifts of healings. And it's a perfect way to describe uh, spiritual healing, which encompasses a variety of uses. And because there are so many needs for healing and so many different ways to address them, not only do people need physical healing, but they also need psychological healing, they need emotional healing, and they need spiritual healing. Healings 
They can happen sometimes gradually or sometimes they can happen instantaneously. Healings can happen after a word of personal prayer or a faithful declaration, but sometimes they occur because the spiritual atmosphere of a group setting. Sam Storm, in his book, The Beginner's Guide to Spiritual Gifts, wrote this, Evidently, Paul did not envision that a person would be endowed with one healing gift operative at all times for all diseases. His language suggests either many gifts or powers of healing, each appropriate to and effective for its related illness, or each occurrence of healing constituting a distinct gift in its own right. I know that there's probably a lot of philosophies about this, but I believe that this holds water. I believe that there is some merit to this, that there is, and maybe we should put it this way, there are facets to the gift of healing, that the gift of healing will operate in the manner that is specific to the need. And so whether we call that different gifts or facets, the point is this one-size-fits-all we really probably got to get away from. God is much more multifaceted than that. Can you say amen? amen? So we see the gift of healings in action when Peter and John encountered the lame beggar at the temple gate. We, you know the story. I'm not going to read the scripture. It's but in Acts chapter 3. Basically what happens is he looks at him and says, he, Peter gets his attention and says, look at me. He says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have arise and walk. And the man immediately walked, immediately stood up. That's a gift of healing. Now, the interesting thing that I thought about this is that when Jesus was demonstrating healing while he was in ministry, while he was ministering in his three and a half years, do you notice that Jesus never really did heal the same way every time? Sometimes he spit in the mud, sometimes he cast the demon out, sometimes he would lay hands, sometimes he would hug them, sometimes he would tell them to go wash, or sometimes he would just speak from a distance. So it holds water that there is a variety of gifting here, or at least facets of it. Then finally, the gifts of miracles. Miracles go beyond healing to encompass other supernatural phenomena, including unusual happenings. Healings can sometimes be spectacular, but miracles are, uh, healings can be spectacular, but miracles are even more impressive because miracles seem to disregard the laws of nature. One miracle I think of is when, when Joshua prayed, God would give him time and God caused the sun to stand still. I mean, everything in the universe had to stop for a little bit. Everything. Otherwise, there would have been great collisions and the timing of the universe would have been off. But God knows how to set the clock, doesn't he? Yeah. Healings can happen naturally in some cases. Divine healing just speeds them up. But miracles always go beyond the natural. When a miracle is occurring, it is always beyond the natural. Are you hearing me? So similar to the gifts of healing, the original, the gifts of healing, the original Greek uses the plural form in the, in, the, in the word that says workings of miracles. So again, it's this idea of multifaceted. To an even truer understanding, the original Greek 
could, we could read it this way, the workings of powers. Because we translate the miracles, it's the, the miracle, or the word miracle is dunamis or power. So the thing you have to understand is that God is actually the miracle worker. Okay, don't get confused who's the miracle worker here. God is the miracle worker. And we as believers or the one that is gifted are participants with him in his work. So what this is, it is God-given ability to cooperate with God as he performs a miracle. It's the ability, really probably the way to, to say this, is that we become the conduit that releases the power of God to perform the miracle. Does that make sense? Okay. So the last three verses, just to kind of emphasize this, and then we're going to um, shut this down and go in a different direction. Acts fifteen twelve says, Then all the multitudes kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. Goes on, Acts 19, 11, and 12 says, Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or a aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the disease left them, and evil spirits went out of them. We'll leave that alone. Hebrews 2, 4 says, God also bearing witness, both with signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. And so one of the, you say, what's the point of miracles? One of the points, the, the lion's share of it, is that God is confirming his word. And he is showing us his power. Now, I know, once again, I will stress that as we kind of close this down here, I, I will stress that, that, uh, that we've just scratched the, the tip of the iceberg here. This is in no way a... Um, um, unabridged version of this. This is um, not exhaustive. Lots of nuances, lots of things. And sometimes that's where when you get into those deeper studies, you do have to have the experience of those that have operated in, in them to understand that because they have experience and revelation and they have understanding by virtue of experience of the scripture that can help us to understand that deeper. But tonight what I wanted to do before we close, we got about 12 minutes, I wanted to do is give you an opportunity that if you're here and you would like to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, you have not yet been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Or I'll even offer this if you would like to have a refilling, and that is Scripture. There is a time in, I believe it's in Acts 4, where those that had been at the day of Pentecost, they cry out and they said, fill us again, baptize us again. And they wanted, and, you know, I think it's been, I forget who the man was, but it has been repeated many, many times throughout history. The reason that we need a refilling is because we leak. And sometimes we need a refreshing. And so what I'm going to ask that you do is, if you would like that, uh, I would want to give you an opportunity to come up front, just stand right up front here, and we will pray for you and believe God uh, to help you. We'll give you some instructions. If you're already filled with the Holy Spirit and that's operating and moving in your life, that's okay. You don't got to come forward. But we did want to give an opportunity for anybody that would like that. If that's you, come on up. Right there, just stand. Let me, let me be able to come out a little bit. There you go.
sorry. I'm not sure yet. <clears throat> so, just to give you some instruction to help you. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for you first. I'm going to pray just over you. And then I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer. And I'm going to ask you just to repeat that prayer with me, if you will. And just repeat it out loud. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to start up right, Dermot. I'll start at this end and work this way. And so what I'm going to do is I just as we're, as, as we finish that prayer that I have you repeat, I'm just going to begin to pray for you. I ask that you would stay in an atmosphere of worship, just worshiping God and asking Him. Remember, if to speak in tongues, it's a vocal gift. So now I will, I'm going to tell you what won't happen. God will not force you to speak. Okay? So you have to speak. So generally, it has been said, and this has happened in my experience, that you will hear something in your mind or your spirit. You'll hear just something kind of crazy. You know, it'll sound off. That's that gift of speaking in tongues. Speak that out. It's been reported that for some people it's been as simple as a syllable. Sometimes it has been a word or what seemed like a word. Just speak that out. Uh, just speak it out. If it's nothing, it's nothing. But if it's something, it will start a flow. But you have to speak. You can't you can't, and, and, and what you're going to have to resist is kind of like, like, okay, I'm here, God, just do whatever you want. You're a participant in this, so you have to be uh, willing to, to participate. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? So I'm going to first pray for you, then I'm going to have you pray this prayer with me, and then I'm going to lay hands on you, okay? So let's pray. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I just come before you, and I thank you, God, for all these that have come up front. I thank you, Lord, for their hunger, God, for you, their hunger to, to know you better, to walk in your presence better. I thank you for their hunger for Holy Spirit. And Father, right now, I just pray, God, that you would fill them, baptize them in the Holy Spirit, and give them the evidence of speaking in tongues. Father, cause that to rise up in them. But Father, the thing that we want is you. We want Holy Spirit to be poured out right now in this place. And Father, we give you honor, we give you glory, and we magnify you. And Lord, we thank you in advance for what you're about to do in Jesus' name. Now I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Father, I come before you, and I ask you to baptize me in the Holy Spirit. Give me the evidence of speaking in tongues. I surrender right now to your will and to what you want to do. And I thank you in advance for this gift. I receive it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah, Father. Right now, Father.
Thank you, Jesus. I want to just say to everybody that's seated, would you pray with us? Would you just pray and just believe God? And what I want to do right now, just before we go any further, I want to take authority over the spirit of fear. I just feel like there's fear happening right now. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over fear. I bind it in the name of Jesus, and I release, God, your peace, the peace of God that passes all understanding right now in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah.
you, Jesus. Can I ask a question? Did anyone get baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues the, with, with the first time? You haven't had it before. You Were you your first time? Praise God. Anyone else? Anyone else that had the evidence of speaking in tongues the first time? Praise God. So you did? Amen. You know, as I was praying for all of you, I felt all of you, as, as I look around, I feel like this is part of the dilemma for me is I feel like God is not only doing this, but he's ministering. And so I just, as, as I walk around, I just, I feel like, so I feel like God's bringing real healing right now in your spirit. I believe there's been just a lot of turmoil. And so I believe that what God's doing is reordering some things to bring a, a level of peace. Um, that supernatural peace, but not only does he want to bring that atmosphere of peace, he wants to bring order to the chaos. It's kind of like when Jesus stood up in the boat and calmed the storm, he said, peace, be still. And it's interesting, the, the word peace, I don't know how to articulate it, but it's the antidote to chaos. <laughs> Shalom is the antidote to chaos. The, the Hebrew word actually spells out uh, this this it attacks chaos and so it comes against disorder and that's what God's doing I just feel like God's really moving in your life right now and I feel like there's just a special presence around you right now and that he's ministering to you on a very deep level and that he's speaking to you he's helping you even though that you may not recognize that speaking there is that there's like this supernatural thing that's moving in you right now that's bringing you direction and it seems like at times there's moments where it's like that kind of came out of nowhere. And it's like it's not out of nowhere, it's out of God. And he's been bringing that to you. So I really feel like God's moving. I really felt the presence of God on you. Um, I just felt like God's once again. I, I feel like there's a lot of people being healed here tonight in, in, emotionally. And so I feel like there's some emotions that are being healed and God's working out some things uh, inside you. And he's doing that. But this is a good season. You're moving into a new season of life. You're moving into a new dimension with him. And uh, um, to put it in 21st century lingo, you're getting an upgrade. <laughs> you're, getting, you're getting software 2.0, you know, so it's, it's, it's a new thing. I really felt that, and I, I felt God's just doing great things. So let me just, if you don't mind, can we just pause for a minute? Let me just... Get the mind of God, and I, I probably some of you will come back to, but I, I just I need to go down at this end for a minute. Once again, I, I really feel like God is is uh, bringing some real healing to to some very deep wounds. Um, I don't know you. I, I I think I've met you once. I, in fact, I think we're actually scheduled to talk tomorrow. <laughs> I've never met her outside of, I think, I think Aaron, I know Aaron. Aaron introduced me to her, I think, was it last Sunday? Last Sunday we set up an appointment. That's all I know. But as I was praying for you, God spoke to me about that there's really deep wounds. Some, some of them have been buried for a long time. And he's really bringing some healing to that. Amen. So look forward to that. Look forward to that healing. You see, and the great thing about this healing, it's going to be freedom. It's freedom from its pain and its torment. Even There's a verse in the Bible we use all the time. It's in, in Isaiah 61, verse 7. It says, for your shame, I'll give you double honor. 
And shame, what shame does is shame tells us something, tells us we're something we're not. It, 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 it tells us, it gives us an, a different identity. And so sometimes through the hurts and the pains of life and the things people have done and said to us, it changes who we are. And that because of those wounds, and we start looking at life through those wounds, and God says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually give you honor in replace of that. And not just equal honor, I'm going to give you double honor. So whatever you had in shame, I'm going to give you twice as much in honor. And that's what he's doing right now. Hallelujah. 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 I've, I've really felt God on you tonight. It's felt like God was just really ministering to you. And you know what I want to say to you, and this is just kind of odd, but I want to say that in, in God is proud of you and, and he, he, your service and your endeavors and what you've done and the prayers that you've prayed that no one knows about, God, God knows. They're precious to him. The Bible says the, he keeps those prayers in a bowl and it's ever before him. They're like incense, a sweet-smelling savor to him. It's, it's like perfume to him. And, and you know what the funny thing about that fur perfume is it's unique to you. So when he smells that, that, that beautiful fragrance, um, he knows it's you. He knows it's you and he's proud. That, that, that here, here's the word, I know this sounds crazy, but it actually makes his day. If God can have a day, you know, because God's outside of time, so there's not day or night for God, but in human terms, it makes his day when that, that, that thing will, that wafts in front of him, he goes, wow, I'm so proud of her. So I want you to know you've touched the heart of God and he's really doing something there, amen? Praise God, praise God. Can we take just a minute more and then we'll be done, I promise. I promise, I promise, I promise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I want to say to all of you that you are incredible people and I thank God for your bravery and your faith. And I want to encourage you, even though in this moment you may not have had that evidence, but let me tell you a story. I had a friend of mine uh, who we prayed for in this church, in these altars, and basically it was much the same. He just like, okay, we were prayed for. A couple days, I don't know how much time went by, a couple days maybe a week or so went by and he was out to eat with his wife and he was at Chili's and they got done at Chili's and they were walking across the parking lot and just about the time he got to his car all of a sudden he started speaking in tongues and he couldn't, he couldn't stop and it went on for quite a while I'll tell you another funny story this is a little funny I hesitate to tell you but I'll tell you anyway I had another friend of mine this was years ago that got we prayed for him and he was in the bathroom sitting on the toilet he got filled. He started speaking the tongues. So God don't really care, you know. And sometimes there's no rhyme or reason to his timing. And I'm, I'm not trying to make any excuses for any lack of anything. What I'm saying is, is that if we're, we have to be careful that we don't put God in a box, that we don't put him in a box because he can do other things. But I could tell you this, as I went down this line praying, I could actually feel God moving. And I could feel God moving in people, and I could feel him touching you and, and ministering to you. And You know, Brenda, you are so wonderful. 
you are so wonderful. But hell has worked really hard at telling you you're not. That you don't mount to anything. Well, God says you're my daughter. You are a daughter of the Most High. And He loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. He isn't forgotten. He's not forgotten. He knows exactly where you are. And He is moving. He's moving. And His comfort, His grace, all that He is is there for you right now. And He has not forgotten. The word that I heard when I was up here was hope. To tell you it's not hopeless. To tell you there is hope in Him. All is not lost. And He loves you. And I know hell has worked hard. Hell sows thoughts and He comes in and He speaks to you and gets your mind going. But He's a liar. The problem is is sometimes He uses just enough truth to make the lie palatable. But I could tell you that it's a lie, nonetheless. And he's saying that I'm going to work it out. God is going to work it out. And there's hope. Amen. Isn't God good? Ah, C.H., you're a good man. You're a good man. I'm saying this. This is not not God saying it right now. But I believe God would say it to you, that you're a good man. And I'm proud of you, man. I'm proud of you. You have... You have, you have exceeded head and shoulders above anything anybody could ever ask out of, out of a person to just come to the Lord. You, give, you gave your life to Jesus and you didn't look back, man. You're not looking back. No, sir. Yep, and you are. And you have faced the trials of life with dignity and faith. And, and I will say this from God, is that that hasn't gone unnoticed. And he loves you. Good man. Well, why don't we uh, close in a word of prayer, and I'm going to let you all get out of here. Just hang on just a second as we pray, and then we'll release you. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this night. We thank you for all that you're doing, God, and we just give you the glory and the honor. We thank you, Lord, for all of that you have poured out tonight in this place. And we pray, God, that you would continue, even after we leave, God, that you would continue to move in these that have come up for prayer. And Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One thing I was going to tell you, if um, those of you that would like that test, the gift of the Spirit test, I will make copies of that and have them available for on Sunday. So whether you come to 8.30 or 10.30, they'll be at the Information Center if you'd like one, if you didn't get one. So rest of you, God bless you. We're, you're free to go. Have a good, good night. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.